Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. goodness so before we get in the word right quick i got a couple things i need to share some new jokes <laughs> it's always funny to hear the 50 50 like some are excited or some are like you need to not quit your day job <laughs> a woman gets on a bus with her baby and the driver bluntly says "Ugh, that's an ugly baby ugliest i've ever seen The woman, infuriated, walks to the rear of the bus and sits down, fuming. She says to the man next to her, The driver just insulted me. The man says, You go up there and tell him off. Go on, I'll hold your monkey. (laughs) I I died when I heard that. (laughs) Oh, man. You want to break the nerves off? Just read this stuff before you preach. That was hilarious. <laughs> I got one more. My grandpa started walking five miles a day when he was 60. Now he's 97 years old, and we have no idea where he is. <laughs> Woo! That's fire right there. <laughs> All right, let's get serious. <laughs> Man, that was good. First Samuel chapter 1. Uh, so today I'm going to give you guys just a look into um, my process that I've been in life for several months now and uh, something that God has been speaking to me through the story of Hannah. It's uh, a story that I've always known, but I've never really taken much time to just get in it and dwell on it, you know, and, and read it and just break it down. But I was in my truck at work a little while back and I was listening to the Bible and I started in 1 Samuel and began to listen, and, and this story just leaped out by the Holy Spirit and grabbed a part of my heart, and I'm just going to dive into it with you guys today, okay? Before we do that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, uh, I welcome you to just do your work and to do your will. Let not one word be said that be mine or on my authority. It's your authority. It's your words. It's your gospel, and it's powerful. It's beautiful in all that its ways. Let it pierce the hearts of your children that we would find relief and, and hope in the tension of our souls that we give birth to something bigger than what we've seen thus far. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to read this story right quick, uh, just as quick. I'm going to go through it pretty quick, follow along on the screen, and then we're going to come back and break it down. And I promise you, uh, it's not going to take me real long, but if you will open up your ears, I believe God's going to deposit something just supernaturally changing to your life through this message. First uh, Samuel chapter 1. Verse 1. Actually, let's go to verse 2 because there's a lot of names in verse 1 I can't pronounce. And, and uh, Elkanah, Elkanah. Yeah, that's it. Elkanah. I practiced this for two hours. Learned how to say this and lost it as soon as I got up here. We're going to call him E. No, I'm just kidding. Elkanah. Elkanah uh, this is who we're referring to. And he had two wives. The name of one of his wives was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Everybody say, no children. This man went up from the city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also the two sons of Eli, Hopni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah, to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. Check this out. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. Everybody say double portion. 
Hannah couldn't have kids, but he would give her a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Everybody say, the Lord. The Lord did it. The Lord had closed her womb, and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Just put a little tally mark out to there, fasted. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Check this out. It does not tell what Hannah says at this point. No response from Hannah. But Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. I want you to notice that Hannah didn't eat, but she was amidst of those who did eat. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch the top of his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Y'all check this out. This amazes me. We're about to see a taste of the New Testament within Hannah's reaction right now. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Hannah spoke in her heart, her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirits. Everybody say sorrowful. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. Check out 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. The original Aramaic translation of this says, Go in peace that the Lord of God Israel may grant you petition which you have asked of him. If you read this in the New King James Version or the King James Version and don't dig it out a little further, you'll think that he supplied her answer right there. But he didn't. The priest said, Go, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Check out Hannah's, Hannah's, Hannah hasn't had the answer to her prayer, but her countenance changed. Prayer is an exchange with the Father. If prayer is ever you speaking to God, leaving with the same worry, you didn't pray, you complained. Prayer is an exchange. Prayer takes faith because you're giving what you can see in exchange for what you can't see, but what you can't see was defined, de, was, there's a word there, was created to define your reality. I'm exchanging what I can't see 
what I can see for what I cannot see, that it may define what I can see. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord, and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew his wife, Hannah. They go home, they lay with each other. She prayed for a child, they go lay with each other. And the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time, everybody say time, that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. All right, we're going to break this story down because there's a lot in this story that I want you to see about the life of a believer. Okay, I want us to look at verse 5. It says, This man went up from this city yearly and worshiped and sacrificed the Lord. Skip down. It says, Whenever he would present the offering, he would begin to distribute it, some to his wife, Penina, some to her sons. But then when it got to Hannah, Hannah had no sons. Sons were your glory in the Old Testament. They were your legacy. They were everything about your lineage that God was going to bless. So to not have a son was a shame. You see it in how Penina was treating Hannah. But it says that her husband loved Hannah so dearly, he gave her a double portion. He gave her a double portion of favor and blessing on her life. But I want you to see how Hannah responds. When you're created to birth a prophet that will literally declare the anointing over the king that would set up the greatest rulership on the planet prior to Jesus Christ, you're not going to get him when you relinquish your rights to birth just to enjoy favor and blessing. Favor and blessing are not something we have to beg God for. They come in proximity to a father that it, throughout the Bible says he's a rewarder. I don't have to pray for favors and blessings because proximity to my God, he is a rewarder. So I do not have to beg for favor and blessings. Just relationship as a son brings forth favor and blessings. But what so many times happens in our life, favor and blessings are all that we end up living within. And I'm not saying favor and blessings are bad. I live in favor and blessings, but there has to be a shift in your heart when you realize I was created to birth something. Because what happened in Hannah was even getting double portions from her husband, he even stepped back and said, am I not better than ten sons? And she wasn't even willing to answer him because she knew that there was no satisfaction in a double portion favor and blessing if she didn't give birth to something that would leave a legacy on the earth. Because legacy is the only thing that will bring satisfaction. Legacy is the setting up of God's kingdom that will further outlive you when you're gone and passed away. There will be something that perpetuates the glory of God. Some of us, uh, sometimes we get caught up in what we're going to leave uh, materialistic-wise. And that's so good. We should leave, we shouldn't blow our children inheritance. But let me tell you that if you leave your children a financial blessing, but nothing that's perpetuating building the kingdom... Look at it like this, that you can literally build the kingdom through Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that means I have a seed within me that has to be released, right? It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me is the outward expression of glory. So I have the seed which is meant to be birthed that the glory may be seen. It's something put within me, but it doesn't have to be released. The only way the glory of the Lord is released through the partnership of children who've become dissatisfied with the normal mundane of a blessing. My blessing is a blessing to be a blessing, and it is glorious to the Father. But unless I birth the kingdom, everybody say the kingdom. 
The only thing you were meant to birth is the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is without repentance. That you would birth this thing into the glory of the Father. That the world around us would see our Father's good works and glorify Him in heaven. We have one seed within us, it's the kingdom, and we were meant to birth it. But here's the thing, if I'm not birthing the kingdom, I can't sit in blessings and favor and be okay with mediocrity and never press myself into the present. I want you to check out what happened to Hannah. Side note, I call this the tension. Over the past few months within my soul, I've been feeling a tension. A tension I don't stand before you with an answer for. I don't, I'm going to teach this message the best the Holy Spirit has taught me and relinquish it into you that you would begin the process of learning what the tension is. And if you don't have the tension, we're going to pray for the tension that the tension come. The tension within my soul reading the gospel and understanding there's a greater release of the kingdom of heaven and thus not seen it thus far and not being okay with the favor and blessing on my life, but missing the fact I was created to birth something that would shift the world. I have nations within my belly. I believe I'm going to stand in front of crowds of thousands as thousands and thousands get healed on the continent of Africa. I believe in Caldwell, poverty will be a memory within the next 10 years. I believe that cancer, this place right here, this hub, will be a cancer-free zone within five years. I'm believing for a relief of the glory of God. It's something that keeps me up at night that makes me seek the face of God. But I have favor and blessing, but I'm not settled there. I turned 27 April 29th. I woke up on the 29th and was getting ready to come over here in prayer before I just kicked off my day at work. But I got up and the sun was rising. It was cool outside, so I went and rolled up the door on my shop and I, I folded out my camp chair and I got my word out and had to have my light on my phone. It wasn't quite bright enough, but I just felt like the God that God wanted to talk to me in his, in his creation that morning. And I just went in there and I asked God, what, what are you telling me today? I want to know what you're saying about my 27th year. My 27th year of life, I want to hear the word of the Lord for this whole year. Am I popping? All right. And as he began to speak to me, he took me to Psalms chapter 65, verse 11. I've never read this, this verse in my life, and he took me there. He said, your year will be crowned with my goodness, and your paths will drip with abundance. And I took that, I put it in my heart, and I went to work. Two hours into my job, my boss called me into his office, and he gave me a promotion and a raise within two hours from the word I got from the Lord. A promotion I'm not supposed to get with, until I reach the five-year mark, until I get... I'm only there three and a half. He gave it to me, and I'm supposed to not get it till the five-year mark. We left out of there, and mine and my wife are starting our ministry, Love Well, nonprofit. And within two days, we had our first two partners within our ministry, monthly partners. God began to prove the word he gave me. And you would think in the midst of getting such a great word and seeing it begin to come to life that the tension within my soul would ease. That blessing didn't touch the desire for the tension within my soul to release the supernatural kingdom. Don't get me wrong. I want you to look. We're going we're gonna to further see it in Hannah's life after she prays and mourns in the temple that God give her a birth, that she goes and worships before she lay with her husband. But worship does not leave my lips for what God is doing. But it cannot settle down the tension within my soul that if I don't birth what I was created to birth, there will be sick people die to cancer. There will be lost people that go to hell. And I'm refusing to release that tension for some money in my bank account there's got to be a tension we live with that presses us into the presence of God but within this tension within my soul 
I begin to look at myself and say, what do I need to correct about my life that was, is withholding the fullness of the inheritance of God being released through me? If I have, you have, everything pertaining to life and godliness, everybody say, I got it all. Because that is not a lie. That is the word of God. We don't need anything else. We need what is already fully contained within us to be unfiltered and fully released. And that is the tension of the walk with Jesus Christ is that he said, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that I would consistently be in the process of renewing my mind that that is what is fully contained within me would be released. But I have found if you settle in and you're not willing to press into God, everybody say God. I need to press into Him. I need to press into favor. I need to, not favor, presence. I need to press into where He is that this thing may fully be released and blossom. But when I begin to feel the tension, I begin to look and self-evaluate. What can I correct that may be hindering what God is doing? That is a beautiful mindset, but when it's partnered with self-action, it brings nothing but frustration. Let's look at what Hannah did. Verse 5, but Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved her. Although the Lord had closed her womb. I read that and I was like, why? They don't, the Lord closed her womb? And then I want you to read with me. No, let's don't get there yet. Let's jump back a little bit. Yeah, Proverbs 25 and 2 says, the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the glory of kings to search it out. In Matthew, he says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. If you want to birth anything of supernatural proportions, it won't be sitting out on the floor for you to pick up. God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. So those that can't steward revelation won't find them laying around. Because revelation means nothing until it's put into play by stewardship, the people that live it out in action. People that will not live it in action, he puts it and hides it within the depths of his heart so that people that have no relationship and no desire to steward the revelation cannot find it easily. But those that are willing to ask, seek, and knock are those that will find the kingdom and will release and burst something that is bigger than within themselves. God does not hide from us. He hides for us. But it's the glory of a king to search it out. It's not the glory of a peasant to find it on the floor. Peasants go around begging because they believe they deserve something without working for it. I don't believe in a working mentality within my relationship with God, but I do believe in stewardship and covenant. My covenant relationship that drives me deeper into the depth of God is the very thing that qualifies me for the inheritance He gave on the cross. I'm not looking for things you can find randomly by reading a scripture twice a week. I'm looking for things that I find in the intercession and fasting that he will release into my life that I may be the one that the kingdom of heaven comes through when I see the one that is sick that they may be redeemed and healed and see that my father is the one true living God. We're looking. We're praying for things. Do you want to burst something that's worth something? That's worth a generational curse being broken over a city, over your family? What are you actually hungry for? Are you hungry for the next promotion? Or are you hungry that your lineage would be known as the ones that shook the world? Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Can I tell you, when you get so dissatisfied and you're so ready to burst something, you'll be misunderstood? Yeah. 
Steve gave me one of the greatest revelations. I think I, I just it blew me away. And I can't remember it. <laughs> he said, when you live the, with the desire for the supernatural, you'll eventually eat the bread of misunderstanding. There will be some times when people can't understand why you're going on long fast. There will be some times when people can't understand you stopped watching TV because I've got to get in my work. There will be some times when people don't understand what you're contending for. But can I tell you, you will not get to see the kingdom of heaven by nonchalantly walking in the temple. This is not a correction message. This is a calling higher message. I believe within my spirit God is saying I have some Hannahs in the house. That they are just done with blessing and favor. They want to burst something. They want to release something into the world that will shift it. Hannah arose. After they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, she went to the temple. This is where I messed up in the beginning of my process, but now have shifted my focus, and by the grace of God, I'm on the right path. I went to myself. I started trying to correct myself. I started trying to pray and fast more. Listen to me. There's two parts to this. I, out of self-correction, thought I could do enough to position myself to release this baby. But when the glory of the Lord came and His grace began to break down that I was being self-reliant, He said, lean not on your understanding. He was teaching me how to lean on my beloved. He began to strip all my confidence away. He began to pull it. He began to pull it. He began to pull it. My clarity got worse my hearing got worse, and he was pulling all these things, and all he was saying the whole time is, if you get off of self-reliance, this thing's going to break. This thing's going to break. And it's not that the baby is birthed, but the process is now started, where before I was dwelling in frustration and resentment and anger, because why is this thing not birthing? I, I'm doing this. I got rid of this. I'm fasting this. Why is this thing not breaking? Why am I frustrated? Because I was not leaning on my beloved. But the moment I realized what Hannah did when she realized I've got to birth something. I've got to give birth to what God destined me. If we believe he thought of us before the foundations of the world, then I know I have a seed within me that is meant to be birthed. But it's not a necessity. It is a necessity, but it's not a guarantee. The only guarantee is if I partner with the Lord co-labor when I become in covenant relationship and I walk it out in destiny, then it is released. But when I realized that's what Hannah did, when Hannah got so frustrated with, with the echoing of you're not good enough, you're not enough, you're not going to be anything, the whole while there's something turning within her that this favor is not going to do it. It's not going to be enough. I've got to give birth to this thing or it will kill me. She got in the temple and she began to wail. What is the temple? It's a reflection of where the presence of God is. We are the temple of God. What does that look like? Pressing into relationship with Jesus. What does it look like? Sacrificing time. Just getting to the place. I don't even want to name things because when you actually get to the place where you're no longer okay with just favor and blessing, I won't have to name the thing that you may have to get rid of. I, I don't need anybody to name the things that I need to get rid of. The Holy Spirit is blessing the desire to birth, so therefore He tells me what those things may be that I may lay them on an altar. I don't need a checklist. I don't want a checklist. You don't want a checklist. But you do want the hunger of God. It's one of the greatest blessings you can ever have and ever steward. Some of you have tasted hunger, but then realized what it would take to burst something and lost the hunger. 
Hunger has to be stewarded. Hunger has to be taken to the presence. This kingdom is the way you get more hungry is by eating. It's not like the natural world. The more you eat, the hungrier you get. The more word I listen to, the more I pray, the more I seek, the more I fast, the more I lay things at the altar as Holy Spirit begins to highlight, the more obedient I am, the greater the baby, the greater the love pains get of birthing something that is bigger than myself. The more I eat, the hungrier I get. Now I want you to look at this. That blows me away. That we see a New Testament principle. Hannah is working in it and she doesn't even fully know it. But we get it listed in Romans chapter 8. If you look at verse 13, it says, Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her mouth, her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way, the, he- the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groanings. Wordless groanings. So- some of you don't understand. Wordless groanings. To where you are so consumed by this that your groanings are don't have language for. That you get so deep tranced into the presence of God by the desire to birth. All Hannah had was a desire to birth, a lack of complacency. She didn't settle, and then she went to the presence. That's it. That's all we see so far. And then the Holy Spirit takes over and begins to groan through Hannah so much so the priest thought she was drunk. It's the same thing, Josh reminded me this morning, of what they did in the upper room when they come out filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They thought they were drunk. But there's a place you can get to and all God is saying is don't settle and come to the presence. Don't settle and come to the presence. Don't settle and spend time with me. Don't settle and fast and pray. Don't settle. Seek me through the word of God. Don't settle and come to the presence. Don't, don't, don't try to self-correct. Don't try to self-implement. Just get so incomplacent with favor and blessing. We, we get the job and we settle out. We get the blessing, we settle out. The kid comes home, we settle out. Don't get complacent. Don't get complacent. Don't get complacent and come to the presence. Don't get complacent and come to the house. Don't get complacent and fast and study and pray. Don't get complacent. And the Holy Spirit came. And Hannah began to groan from within herself. Uh, Her mouth was moving but nothing. Do y'all see the intensity of this moment? That this woman is crying out to God to give birth to something that will outlast the favor and blessing she's getting. Something that she was going to give birth to the one that would anoint David. That the very lineage that Jesus came from, this woman is about to give birth to the prophet Samuel. My God, do you feel the intensity of that? She's going to give birth to the, one of the greatest prophets to ever work the planet. And she, he was going to speak into existence the anointing of David that Jesus would come from his lineage. How much differently would it look? And like, Hannah's like, no, that birthing's going to suck. Like, I don't want that. One, i got to go look like a drunk woman in the temple, and then I'm going to have to actually bear that thing. No, I'm good. 
How much, how much crazier would destiny have looked if she wouldn't have been willing to mourn over the fact I haven't birthed anything yet? Blessing is not going to cut it. Favor is not going to cut it. I've got to get in the presence until I birth something. I can tell you, man, those, man, when God gave me those financial blessings right there in the beginning of my first, first month of the 27th year being alive, that, that, that first month and them blessings rolling in, it was so much fun. But I had so much more satisfaction when I was sitting at breakfast in Africa and he began to speak to me about a Hindu across the room about his knees. And when I prayed for him, the glory of God touched him, healed his knees, and he began to declare, your God is awesome. That brought a satisfaction to my soul that a dollar amount ain't never even touched. I'll sell everything on my property if I get to go all over the planet and touch those that are hurting that don't know my God. He is favor and blessing and I need more of Him. And I need to see this thing birth. But I'll tell you, for you that have not birthed anything yet, let me tell you, your favor and blessing will never scratch the itch that that thing within you will touch. I've never felt that kind of taste, and I don't want anything else. So it has me in here praying and fasting. It has me seeking to give birth because I haven't given birth yet. I've tasted. But when this thing is birthed, it's going to bring nations to their knees to give glory to God. It's going to thousands are going to be healed. There's going to be revival sweep across this nation. There's going to be something that will eradicate the darkness of sin. It was crazy. Last night I was in prayer. I was just laying there, couldn't go to sleep. I was praying praying in the spirit in my bed and I could feel the groanings of the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden I felt the darkness of molestation and rape what happens when our children are hurt like that I felt the darkness and that darkness to me has always seemed overwhelming like my God how could that be stopped and it's like I seen an angel of the Lord touch down in the midst of that darkness and it began to spread like liquid away from the light and in my soul, I got a new dream. That rape statistics will fall and plummet within the next three years in the United States. They'll drop astronomically. He wants to give you something within your soul that will bear you to get into the presence and fast and pray that I may release this dream. We need dreams. We need big dreams. God wants to give you dreams so big they'll, they'll freak your intelligence out because he's, because he's thinking things even bigger than that. He's dreaming even bigger than that. Your dreams can't even touch what God actually wants to do. Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty 28, 30 says, Come to me, all you who labor, and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is where we have to find relief in the tension. One, if you don't have the tension, we're going to pray for that in a minute. And we're going to get up here, and we're going to fill these altars, and we're going to pray that the tension of God would fill our souls to birth something again. But can I tell you when the tension comes, you got to give it to God. You've got to pour yourself into the presence of God. It ain't going to be easy. It ain't going to be light. Birthing is not an easy process. Can I get an amen from the moms? This thing is going to cost you everything. Man, I'm not going to... 
I'm not going to sugarcoat it. If you want to birth something that will heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, I'm talking about birth something that they lived in the church of Acts. It will cost you everything. Everything. There's nothing God may not put his finger on. But when you get into a Hannah position, you're begging God to put his finger on it. I'm finding out hunger is like the greatest blessing you can have. I know my dad like I've never known him before. I know my father like I've never known him before. In the greatest level of tension I've ever felt. I have not gotten my breakthrough yet. But every day seems like he comes in. I remember a little while back, I was working out, and I was trying to get to a certain weight on my bench press. And one of my buddies come in, and I, there was a certain weight I wasn't even touching. I couldn't even get close. And he said, what you do is, he said, put these weights on there, the weight you're trying to get. And he gave me these bands, these real stout stretch bands. And on the top of our bench rack, there's these handles that come out. And I would, he said, tie these to the handles and tie it to your, your, uh, your bar and then lift the weight. You'll be able to lift it, and you won't feel the whole weight of it, but it prepares your body to get ready for that weight. Tension helped me. Tension helped me get ready for that 300-pound that mark. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even touch it. I couldn't even budge it. I would, it'd kill me. And tension began to prepare me. And as I held that weight with that tension, my bench began to go up. The tension is the very thing will get you strong enough to carry the baby when it's released. Tension will get you so prepared to lean on your beloved that you just, there's no other way of life. Tension will get you, if you don't, if you don't bow your knee to frustration and you press into the presence, that lean will become a holy lean that blesses your soul daily as you lean on God. Man. It blesses your soul to know you're dependent on God. Verse 17 and 18. We see her. She's prayed. The priest has acknowledged her. Thinks she's some drunk, crazy lady. She pours out her heart, tells her why he's there. And then we see in verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your, may grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. In the tension, when prayer becomes an exchange, your heart will delight in the favor and blessing of God because you're preparing to birth something. When you have not settled any longer, and tension begins to fill your soul of the pressure to give birth to something, your countenance will shift when you make an exchange with God. That word laden, heavy laden, it means to load up, to overburden with spiritual anxiety. If the tension translates to spiritual anxiety, you didn't make an exchange. Hannah went to the presence made an exchange, her countenance shifted, and then she left in anticipation. 
Look at verse 19. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Anna, Hannah is not pregnant. All Hannah has is an exchange of what she can see for the unseen. All she has is a man of God saying, May this be granted to you. May your faith partner with what you just prayed for. May your way of thinking prepare you for what you are praying for. And Hannah left the temple and began to worship God. This is critical. She began to worship before she had even laid down for the act that would give her the baby. Think about the faith for a woman that is still getting made fun of because she hadn't birthed nothing yet, but begins to worship God because she sat in the presence and made an exchange. And then here is my favorite part. And I believe where God is saying it is time to shift the way we think. Our paradigm needs to shift right here. Verse 19, they worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. If I am praying for breakthrough in a release in the supernatural of proportions I have not yet seen. But I pass by the sick. I am joking with myself if I believe God is going to bring more breakthrough for praying for the sick. You know what it takes to have a baby? Go lay down and lay with your spouse. How can you pray for a baby and not go do what it takes to have a baby? It says faith without actions is dead. It says by faith they inherited the promise. What is faith? Faith without works is dead. It said by faith they inherited the promise. By faith they inherited the promise in Hebrews. By faith, they inherited the promise. What is she praying for? Her inheritance. Her promise. I will birth something. And it says she went and lay with her husband. She went and took faith and put it into action. Because if faith brings the inheritance and I have no action, I have no faith that will bring the inheritance. If there is no action following my prayer, I cannot joke with myself and think the inheritance is coming. I believe 90% of the people in this room have the anointing for the healing and have a relationship with God and are in a position right now God would heal the sick through you, but don't pray for anybody. Would use you right now in the grocery store to heal the brokenhearted mom, but don't even engage her. I can't pray to give birth to something my faith will not even partner with. Faith is only displayed in action. If I believe God will heal cancer, but don't pray for the cancer patient, my faith means nothing. I don't actually have it. Faith will always be displayed by how you act. Faith will always be displayed by what you do. Don't pray for more breakthrough in an area and you're not even engaging it. It's not going to come down like a white dove and be like, you don't have to do anything. Your shadow's just going to heal. I'm praying that my shadow would heal like Peter's did, but I can't expect my shadow to heal if I won't even gauge what I can see. Before Peter's shadow healed, he was walking up to the man, laying by the side of the road, saying, silver and gold have I none, and jerked him up. There's an engagement that has to take place when you begin to feel the tension and pray for breakthrough. 
Don't pray for your kids to be saved and talk to them about the weather. Man, there's an intensity that comes with praying for birthing something. And there's, there's times where I get looked at funny when the miracle didn't happen. But they didn't look funny when the miracle did happen. The same ones were laughing at me when the miracle didn't happen. They didn't have anything to say when the miracle came. I remember being in a group of people I prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and was seeing no miracle in this group of guys. No miracles, no miracles, no miracles. And then contractors begin to come in. And I begin to see a 100% heal rate of the people I prayed for when contractors came in. 100%. Not one person left my job sick, a contractor. God would give words of knowledge, pray for needs, reconcile guys that were alcoholics and losing their families, ACL tears, completely mend them where they could do squats. I began to see miracles. Begin to see miracles. But I went through a whole lot of failure before I seen some breakthrough. I went through a lot of breakthrough. I went through a lot of funny looks. I went through a lot of laughs when I would walk out of the room and people would say things about me. But I'm trying to give birth to something. So what you got to laugh about, I'm not really worried about. Because it would kill me if I didn't birth this thing. Your laugh will not. Man, do you, do you feel me right now? Do you feel my spirit? Do you feel the Holy Spirit right now? Because you, you guys are spiritual giants. You're spiritual giants, and you're harboring the glory of God. It said, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ is in you, and he's the hope of glory. But it will take a resolve that says, I'm going to birth this thing. I've got to. It'll eat me alive if I don't. Hebrews 6, 12, we don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherited what has been promised. Verse 20, so it came to pass in the process of time. Through faith and patience, they inherited the promise. So it came to pass in the process of time. Through faith and and patience. They inherited the promise. Everybody say faith and patience. Actions and waiting. Actions and patience. Action and patience. Action and patience. Action and patience. I'm going to say it till you believe it. It's going to take you acting and being patient. God is not on our timetable. But I can tell you, you'll never see the baby birth if you don't go to the presence and yearn for it. I can't be like, oh, it's a long process, and I'm not even in the temple. Because it is a long process, a process you'll never see the fruit of. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you guys, in Acts, they would preach this gospel, and it said people refused to be associated with them. But thousands were added daily. Look at that. Man, what do you do with that? Nobody wanted to join them, but everybody joined them. <laughs> because can I tell you, this gospel demands something of you. There, there's no, if you go to a church and they think, you think this, to see this thing come to life is going to take your normal schedule, your normal way of devotion, you, we've lost it. We have lost it. This thing cost Christ everything. This thing cost martyrs throughout history everything. They would flip them upside down. Crucify them upside down, put them in stakes and burn them, light them on fire. 
I remember reading about a little girl, I want to say, I can't remember the place now. Her and her family got caught reading the Bible, which was illegal in their country. And they were, they had this wall in their city. And they brought their family out, and it was her dad, her brother, her mom, and her. And they said, if you'll deny Christ, we'll let your family go. Dad denied Christ, mom denied Christ, son denied Christ. And that little girl, they said, was eight years old. And she believed this thing. This thing had enraptured her heart. And they said, if you don't deny Christ, we're going to brick you into that wall, and you're just going to suffocate and die. And she said, I can't give this up. So they put that little girl on that wall and bricked her all the way up till they could see just her eyes and gave her one more last chance. And she said, may the glory be to the Lord. They put that last brick up, and one month later, they allowed her family to come get her body. If you read this thing and don't believe it'll cost you something and think you'll live in it, we have lost it. That is what Satan said. That's what God says. There will be blinders on their eyes. It's not about sexual immorality or this or that or that. The blinders are the fact that we have no dedication to devotion. And we think we'll get this, get to see this. I can't emphasize that enough. This thing, it drives me. The words in it feed my soul. But I ask God every day, make sure you make sure today you show me the value of this and I'll pay that price. We've got to have revival. And I'm not talking about a burst of emotion in a service that translate into seven days of meetings. I'm talking about a group of people that say yes to the Holy Spirit and begin to govern their life by the Word of God and begin to press into the presence. I'm talking about a people group. It may be only five, but us five, we're going to change the world. So, will you come play for me? We're going to pray. I'm not laying hands on you because I can't impart this. But I can pray that you in a moment would lose the value of everything you've placed so high that would rob you of devotion to God. And that your soul would be saved today. If you don't know Jesus, He's in this place and He loves you. And He'll save your soul. But I'm talking to some people that have been in proximity to Jesus for a while, but they haven't paid the price. And they've settled for favor and blessing. And we haven't birthed anything yet. There's people paying a crazy high price for this thing. And what we're going to celebrate tomorrow, it's beautiful that we aren't going to get persecuted for this. But because I believe we haven't been persecuted for this, we've lost what it truly means and how critical it is to live by it. So here's the altar call. If you don't have spiritual tension in your heart, but you know you're created to birth something and you're tired of it. You're tired of not living with tension. I'm going to get you to come forward, but wait just a second. Before you do, assess. Because in the spiritual tension, it is tension. It's going to cost you something.
to birth something that will outlast you. It's going to cost you something to see the dead raised and the sick healed. It's going to cost you something to see revival fire fall on your family and your kids. It's going to cost something. But can I tell you, you can pay it. You can do it. I'm nobody. I'm a, I'm a country boy from a small town. I didn't even have a red light. I'm just enraptured with the love of God. So much so, can I tell you, I ain't found anything else that would even compare. So here's the prayer, and here's the altar call. If you're ready for God to bring tension to your heart, come asking for it. There's something coming to the people of this body. There's breakthrough coming to the people of this body. We're going to see babies birth. We're going to see destinies birth in this house. And those destinies that are birthed are going to impact Caldwell Parish forever. Come on. Can't stop it now. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You just begin to ask him, God, bring tension to my soul. That I would yearn for more of your presence. That I would yearn to give birth. Father, we thank you for your presence in this house. We thank you for this response. We thank you, God, that you're calling us into birthing something. You're raising up some Hannahs that are going to go into the presence of God with fasting and prayer. I believe there's an, exo- there's an arise of people who are going to put themselves to prayer and fasting. That they may see the glory of God come. That they may see destiny birth in their life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.